to make this applicable to each person's life, you've got to know yourself in a way. So you have to know what works for you. You have to be able to sift through all this information because when people are putting out, they're putting out usually some of the bigger personalities out there that we're more drawn to what's worked for them. And I think you said the key word was individual. Everybody is an individual. If you have an individual perspective, individual needs, and you're going to require individual solutions. This is the Mentors for Military podcast. So welcome again to the Mentors for Military podcast, and on with me this time is Otis McGregor, Drew Estelle, and Scott Johnson, and we're going to be talking about a lot of the things focusing on uh, basically targets and and uh, firing and ranges and stuff, and I got this, Drew, basically where I was looking at, I believe it was one of your posts about an upcoming class that you had in Houston, and was telling some of my friends about, hey, you need to go, this is going to be a great opportunity, and looking at the photo and just focusing in on what you were doing or what the student was doing within that picture, and the range really got me thinking about um, some of the things that are important about techniques, especially as it applies to, to being on the range. Yeah, it's uh, it's been pretty interesting, especially, you know, because a lot everyone here has been in the military at some point, And now we've moved out of that, you know, and for me, I've always been a teacher. I've been a shooter. This is what I've done. And being able to or we'll put it this way, going through the hard times and trying to find out what am I going to do now? Do I need to learn new things? And then finally coming back full circle and then realizing we have strengths. Everyone here has strengths and taking that, whether it's, you know, I'm good at shooting, right? I'm good at training. This is what I do. And saying, how can I apply those techniques and fundamentals and how I get somebody to to success into a new arena, if you will. And for me, that's, that's business. It's starting two companies. It's learning marketing and all these things that happen to Google stuff, you know, and I'm sure everyone here has, um, and it kind of comes down to what you were saying, focusing on that target, right? And and focusing on it and realizing this is the target. This is me. I accomplish it this way. Now I just have a new target and I got to figure out how to apply what I know, know what I don't know and into this new target and execute. So learning that, I think there's a lot of parallels in what we've done uh, in the past and then what we do now. So Otis, Robert was talking about it too. You do business mentorship kind of thing uh, going on or something along those lines being an officer in 10th group, I'm sure you've taken a lot of that and applied it to the civilian world and getting some of these people who don't understand it to, to get to that, you know, from point A to, to success at some way, right? I take that experience that I gained uh, while in group and, you know, and all those other places and help guys understand that what they're doing, what they've done works and what they want to do. That's kind of the gist of it. You know, it, it's about how you did it in the military. You don't have to relearn it. You just have to translate it. That's that's really it. The, the fundamentals are all still there. The MDMP, the targeting analysis, the OODA loop, uh, the range card, all those things, yeah. all those things, those are fundamental things that everybody, every soldier or Marine and probably a sailor or two know about, right? So those guys can use those tools to go forward in their business. It's okay to use those tools. So you were an officer in 10th group, right? Lieutenant yep. Colonel or, or full bird? Uh, Lieutenant Colonel. So one of the things I've noticed getting out, I've been at a different level and it's hard for, for me to wrap my head around. Now I'm stepping into the arena where there's really no rank. And I was talking to a buddy the other week and he said, hey man, 
you're you were in the army and you were used to being a sergeant first class and there was a certain structure but now you're getting out and that really doesn't exist the same way it did in the military so putting myself on a certain level or having to learn that i have these these strengths or i buy whatever it is is still valuable and putting myself up there has been really hard for me have you noticed as a colonel you were kind of in a different perspective but stepping out in the civilian world did you have any issues with that or seeing how things work differently and understanding it? No, really, I, I didn't. And, and the reason I say that is I believe I, I, didn't, I didn't wear my rank. I earned it. You know, I earned mm. my position. And the way that I, the way that I led, the way that I, I, I worked with my team, I didn't go around and expect to be treated in a certain way because I had a, a silver leaf on my collar. That, that, was, that was not how I operated. Mm. And... Uh, I'll, I'll just share one. The, when I realized that uh, I'd hit that point in the Army, because as a captain on a team, it, you don't feel that. You, you're just a member of the team. Yes, you make the final decision. But when I came back to group as a company commander, and now I was a major, I'll remember the, always remember the first time I walked into the, to the, the talk, the op center, and got a cup of coffee in the middle of the afternoon. I was like, I made some comment about, oh, crap, it's cold. And I'm thinking I'm going to go make me some coffee. Three, three guys jumped up and started making <laughs> coffee. And, you know, I was like, whoa, 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 hey, time out. And then I, that was my watch what you say, because now there is that perspective that whatever the major says, whatever the colonel says, we've got to do it all right now. Well, that, that's, that's not necessarily true. So that, that's, the, that's the long answer to now in the civilian world. I operate with people at a respect level. I respect them as I expect to be respected back. And whether you're, you know, another lesson I learned was, you know, my first couple of networking things or business meetings right after I retired, I get all these business cards and it says CEO, executive vice president, da, 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 da. I'm like, wow, man, this dude's really important. Yeah. This guy, whoa, cool. Check this card out, man. Yeah. Well, I found out that you know, the guy's in charge of himself and his wife. Yeah. You know, I mean, the, the name, the label, the title, and this is what I tell my uh, vet entrepreneurs too. You know, if somebody wants you to put the structure up there to get a funding, to, so that VC will invest in your company, then put the, put the line of block chart up there. But the titles don't mean anything, man. I mean, it's, it's who's doing the work. Right. Yeah. Right. I mean, it really doesn't mean anything. If the CEO is doing doing this stuff and the COO is doing this stuff, does that really matter? I mean, if, if a CEO is involved in the operational stuff instead of looking out and setting up a vision, well, okay, then why is it the COO doing it? Maybe it's just not a right structure. But to put the label on it, especially in a small business, because it's it's everybody does everything, right? The the rank structure, there there is a... A uh, a rank structure in the civilian world, but it's not like military where it's definitive. A lot of the time in the civilian world, the the rank structure there can be self appointed as well. Like you said, obviously, you know, <laughs> yeah, people can call themselves CEO or CEO or whatever title they want, and in reality, you know, the 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 number of direct reports is one you know like i said the, mm -hmm. the person's wife or 
or whatever, or, or zero themselves within the business. And whilst it looks great on a, a business card, the actual function that sits behind that role isn't necessarily there. We, we, and that differs dramatically to the, the military side of things because rank, as, as Otis rightly said, is earned as you progress through the ranks. And it means something each time, whether you're enlisted and, and you get a stripe or you're an officer and you get a, a pip or whatever um, level you're at. It means something and you should be able to do certain things with each stripe or pip. But in the civilian world, it doesn't necessarily have that, does it? Because you can just self-appoint a lot of times. You can self-appoint. And then if you talk about larger structures within the civilian world, the plethora of different titles is almost <laughs> never-ending. You know, yeah. in, in one job, you can be, uh, like Robert and I have uh, been in the manufacturing world, one job, you can be a production manager, Another company, you'd be a manufacturing manager. Another company, you'd be an operations manager. Another company, you could be a product manager. And essentially, they're all doing similar roles. But there's just so many different names and titles that go with it. So it's it's difficult to follow in the civilian world. And I think military people can get lost in that sometimes mm. because they're looking for that rank to identify it with something. Yeah, I think that kind of ties back when we talk about focusing on the target, there's distractions. And a lot of the distractions are ones that aren't real that we kind of make seem important. And it can be that this person must be important because of a certain title, you know, or whatever. And that can help us or it can cause us to lose focus on that target and what our real goal is by distracting us and or making us feel not as valuable as we really are. We don't bring enough to the table. Uh, for me, when I was in Turkey, um, I was over there doing some work for our, our unit and I was kind of the only LNO there. And they had told me, don't tell anybody what rank you are, the Department of State, because they're snooty assholes is never going to respect you. You know, so people thought I was like a major or lieutenant colonel wore a suit every day. And uh, I had to brief a guy. Um, his I don't care. He's a congressman from Baltimore. It's like Rupper's first. I don't know, something like that. But First time walked into this meeting, you don't think it all crap. I got to brief a congressman, you know, the first time I've ever done this, and, you know, all of his aides and there's like 20 people in there. And within about five minutes, I seriously questioned if this guy had, you know, enough brain cells to perform this job. <laughs> like, like, how the hell did this guy in, you know, this guy, this person makes decisions, you yeah. know, and, mm -hmm. you know, I, I felt a little more comfortable when a certain commander from a specialized unit about lost his uh, cool in it trying to explain you know, what a predator is. And this guy's in charge of <laughs> surveillance and intelligence committee for, you know, Congress, you know? And for me, it was like, you know, people aren't always what they seem, you know, you yeah. get this buildup, you know, going into it. And, you know, I've got this goal, you know, I had my mission there and it was to set up operations, you know, going on and which I won't get into, but, you know, that was my goal and I was way out of my element, but you can make it work. And if you get focused on these distractions or you let the perception of someone be more valuable than you or, you know, negate your abilities or make you feel less than, you know, whatever it is. Uh, and I say less than because <clears throat> our marriage counselor back in the day used to use that a lot. So, uh, but anyway, they, uh, <laughs> uh, so, you know, like if you, if you allow that to happen, it's, that's going to take you away from being target focused and being able to accomplish what it is. And it kind of comes down to knowing what is knowing your value, knowing what you're good at, knowing what you're not good at. And then, you know, not letting other people 
you know, these titles or whatever it is, because any asshole with a camera can have a YouTube channel or, you know, a blog or anybody can write a book nowadays and they can say that or claim it. I'm going to be a CEO like you talked about, you know, it doesn't mean they're successful, you know, it doesn't mean they're good at it, you know, so. I think that was a that was a pretty valuable learning point for me. I can imagine, you know, for some of you guys in the British military, you know, I've got some experience with them, which I love the Brits. That was probably one of the funnest times of my life getting to work with <laughs> the, uh, the recon dudes out there, uh, the special or whatever unit, and it was a it was a fun time. So it was interesting the differences there. But uh, you know, same thing. At the end of the day, I think we're all kind of just you're all people. You know, you are where your feet are, and you. you you all undo your zipper to pee and you all put pants on two legs at a time. Like there's no difference. You well, know, you, know so. you think about the range and stuff where people show up and they're coming there to get some kind of weapons training. And many of them have different levels of expertise when they come on the range. And some of those are going to come across very confident and everything and how they appear while others might be really good shooters, but they're just not someone that likes to go out there and fire their weapon with other people. And so your style of how you're going to teach these individuals are different as well based on you know, their level of experience, you know, how they're acting on the range and those types of things. Think about a networking environment where you're throwing a bunch of people into a room and saying, okay, you've got to go around and talk to everybody and you got to get at least three business cards or five business cards. Whether you're on the range or you're in a networking environment, it's very much the same and where how much of the distractions, how much are you willing to come out of your comfort zone and how much are you willing to focus on whatever the target is? You get a lot of these guys on the range and they see the instructor you know, and, and the fact is people have a certain perception of who they are or me, myself, and I've had people show up to the range and they're better shooters than I am. You know, it's just a fact and that's fine. I can still teach them something, you know, so that's understanding from my point. But I've also had people show up and because they're there and they automatically feel they are the student, they shoot worse than they ever would have if, you know, they didn't know who I was and they just stepped up and did it on their own. You know, again, a distraction. And I think what does that go back to is just target focused and don't let these distractions get in the way. Don't make yourself feel less than you are. And you are you. Just do your best. As soon as we look at the other targets, other people are going to perform on the range, you're going to shoot not as well if you compare yourself to others. So that comparison, comparing yourself to others, whether it's going through a military selection process, wondering how roster number you know 162 did, how he's doing, he did faster than me, you're going to start self-selecting. And I think a lot of that comes down to it. I'd imagine yeah. it's done the same thing in the business world for you oh, guys yeah. on the outside, too. <laughs> Yeah, many times. I mean, you start uh, trying to second guess yourself and your capabilities of what you're bringing to the boardroom or what you're bringing to the decision place. And, uh, you know, I, I find that same challenge even as a consultant today, as a management consultant, where I'm there meeting with peers or people who may be more experienced than I am. And I'm trying to bring some kind of level of expertise. And But I may be in an area that I, I don't have a lot of uh, knowledge in that space. I've got to be willing to own up to that. Uh, or I've got to be a very good tap dancer. It's a, uh, it's that little voice in your head telling you I'm not good enough. Yeah. You know, I'm not smart enough and, and overcoming that voice and how you handle that voice is, is how you move into that new next level of the success. Right. So whether it's, whether it's, you know, the guy who's talking right before you and you got to get up and follow him and you're sitting there going, holy crap, <laughs> this is going to be tough to follow. Right. Well, you just put that away and you just go up there and do the best that you can. You know, you perform at your best performance. If you worry about, like like Drew was saying, if you worry about all these other things on the outside, those outside influencers, the environmental factors and things like that, that influence you, you allow them to influence you, they affect your performance. You know, one of the things I, I'm, I'm learning in this uh, current 
coaching class I'm going through is performance is equal to your potential minus the distractions. If you mitigate those distractions, you think about it, you hit all, you can implement all of your potential to reach your full performance, no matter what it is you're doing, whether you're shooting on the range, shooting hoops, or giving a presentation, or writing a proposal, or writing a book. It's what you put on yourself, and and any type of distraction, really, unless it's a physical input that's coming into yourself, is self-pressurized. And I'm I'm a big believer in you can negate that through practice. You know, and the same thing with being on the range and shooting, for example, doing all those dry firing runs before you you load a weapon and go through actual firing. It's getting that muscle memory. And in the business world uh, or in life in general, you can put yourself under those pressures because a lot of them are coming from inside yourself and you're pressurizing yourself through things. So an example being, like Robert just said, you've got to give some kind of speech or you're going to talk to people. Just going through the points that you know about the business, doing your preparation, right, what does this company do? What are they, um, the, the, the key points? What are the unique selling points? And jotting those down and then running through them over and over and over and over again. And then when you get in that room, it, it prevents you from having to be a great tap dancer, as Robert said, and, and just making it up on the spot because you've got that underpinning knowledge in the back of your brain already that can get the ball rolling. And once the ball rolling, you've just got to keep the momentum going then and just keep it ticking over. You know, and it's it's exactly the same whether it's a, a practical skill such as shooting, or a, you know a, one of the soft skills then such as talking to people in in a boardroom or or whatever it is. You've got to take that personal pressure out of it. Scott, did you have one of those like a hard moment where you had to realize that, or something that happened where that kind of drove it home for you, whether it was inside the military or out? I think probably both. You know. It, the first tour I ever did of Northern Ireland, uh, give you, and, and I tell lives, the second tour I did in Northern Ireland, um, I was part of the specialist search team out there. And um, we used to work in pairs, um, civilian vans, and off we went one day to, to do some teaching for uh, an infantry unit who just come into theatre. And I was the number two in, in the pair at the time. So my assumption for the day was I was kind of going to go down and get the kit out of the back of the van and load it up for the uh, the guy in charge for him to deliver the, the training session. And we'd been in theatre two weeks. I'd probably done the specialist search course maybe a month before. So we get to the, uh, to the camp where we're doing the training and uh, they said, right, so one of you are going to be in this, uh, this building delivering training on these bits of kit and then the other one's going to be in this building delivering training on these bits of kits. I'm a, a, a sapper. I'd, I'd, <laughs> I'd done the course about a month before, and I thought, how, how am I going to deliver training now to, it was probably a company strength uh, group. So we, we had maybe 10 minutes before we was due to start, and it was literally, right, get a bit of paper down, <laughs> just jot down, what does it do? What do you know? How do you change the batteries? How do you turn it on? What are you looking to try and do? And then I just had to deliver training all day as this company rotated through in groups. And that was kind of my first foray into instructing and realized, well, actually, I'm pretty good at standing on my feet and 
making it up as you go along kind of thing you know and then once <laughs> once i got through the second group the third group i thought I've, I've got this down now you know and the repetition that comes with training over multiple groups uh, and then throwing that out there and i did a lot of teaching over that tour as, as a sapper in the business world that happens very regularly you know and um particularly more board level type meetings you get uh, when there's technical type people there they'll throw a technical question in and it goes back to as robert said that tap dance then of having to think on your feet but a lot of it is about confidence and having that confidence that if you don't know something to say look i don't know the answer to that but i'm going to go away and find out and i'll get back to you and let you know what it is instead of trying to bluff your way out of it and it, it, again, it comes back to that not putting yourself under that personal pressure of I've got to give somebody an answer quick, throw something out there. And, you, you know, having the confidence to say, hands up, I don't know, I'll find out, I'll get back to you and let you know. It's kind of like on the range where you you know your lane, know your limits, watch your yeah. lane. I mean, so if you stay yeah. within that and you know that sweet spot of where you're supposed to hit the target, then... You're going to hit the target. And again, it's one of those things that relays very much back to life. Hey, Drew, I, I was just curious, when you're instructing this, this group of people, what do you, what do, you do to, to help them mitigate those distractions that, that, are, that are pulling them? I mean, all, all of a sudden I'm laying here and now I'm hearing somebody else's <laughs> rifle go off or I'm seeing somebody with a pistol now. And, you know, how do you handle those distractions when your, your students are in those issues, having those issues? So a big thing in our course, and we kind of start off and we set them up for failure, you know, doing that cold start because we want that hard realization that that you're going to get in your own head. And then afterwards we talk because if I think everybody knows if we tell somebody something, they're not it, it's not they're not going to know it as much. They're not going to you know apply it as much as if you make them learn it the hard way. So we do a cold start, no feedback totally neutral. And what do they do? They all with it. And I've seen these guys on this test. First thing we do on the range, no warm up, your safety brief and we go. And guys that shoot very well, they don't pass it. And then afterwards, we talk about the different types of stress. And I think for a lot of people, you know, there's cognitive or cognitive stress, social stress, emotional stress, self-induced, physical, all these different types. And at the end of the day, all those stresses are what you put on yourself and it's throttle control. Can you manage that and focus on this while something else is going on? So for us, we, we talk through that mental coaching side. It's and the big thing what it boils down to is you are where your feet are. What is going on with you right now is all that matters. And your performance is what matters. So what's going on around you? If it's the shooter next to you, you may hear their shots. You know, and they sound like they're shooting fast or you look over and see a target and they did well and you say, oh, we automatically build that totem pole. We automatically want to rank somebody ahead of us. We see what they're wearing. They've got Gucci kit, you know, that thousand dollar Glock, you know, with way too much money spent on a gold barrel. You know, they look like some <laughs> fucking Colombian drug lord. You know what I mean? Or all this stuff. And they're not shooting we, sideways, are they? Right. Yeah, like, exactly. <laughs> not in my class. So it's taking it's taking that and saying, hey, none of that matters. You know, so you are where your feet are. And to do that, you have to set yourself up for success and give yourself mental cues. I'm big on visualization, uh, whether I'm going into a meeting like next week, you know, I've got to brief these the Tennessee state, you know, legislature and stuff about things that I got an email this morning, like, how's Wednesday sound? I was like, what? That escalated quickly, you know? <laughs> yeah. So I'm writing up these, this brief, you know, to brief all these people or stepping onto the range and it's on demand performance. 
set yourself up for success. And for me, that's visualization. So what can, what can you control? You can tr- control your thoughts and your environment. You know, what's going on in your head, the perception of it around you. So for me, um, what I'll tell people to do is give yourself your focus points. What do you need to focus on? Work in threes. If it's a draw, I'm going to touch touch, press, you know, so elbow, touch, press. And that's how I'm going to build that draw. That's what I'm going to focus on or crank torque press, you know, for the grip, if that's your issue, identify the issue, give yourself the mental cue so you can talk yourself through it. And then also with that, how do we block everything out? So me personally, when I go into something, I imagine if I'm walking into a building, I imagine I'm going in through an escalator, you know, and as I'm going down, I'm going into a dark room where everything around me shut off. Our uh, middle performance coach at my old unit is a good friend of mine. He, he talks about this a lot, you know, go through that visualization so that you can do that. And if I'm standing somewhere and it's kind of there's people around me, I'm not walking into it. I'll imagine that there's black curtains coming down, you know, that visualization of, hey, the curtains come down. But it's only me and that target. And this is all that matters right here. I am where my feet are. I'm not worried about, you know, if so and so if my wife's on Tinder or Grindr or something or my ex-girlfriend. <laughs> I'm not worried about that crap right now. Or, you know, if you're going through divorce, like, guess what, man? Your boat that you love to fish in don't matter right now. It's like, gone. Worry yeah. about it later. It's gone. She got it. She got a better. It's on eBay. Pain. Yeah. Accept it. You know. So, what can you control right now? Deal with that. Shut off everything around you and use whatever mental cues or that visualization that you need to do that. And that's that. Doing that sets you up for success. So to do it, mental cues, focus points. And give yourself that so you know what is good, what am I going to do? What do I need to do to solve this problem right now? And we solve one problem at a time. Uh, and just to keep rambling, uh, I'm going to say this because I love this story. Uh, one of the instructors at my unit, uh, he talks, he always says, a good friend of mine, Steve, he says, you know, solve one problem at a time. And he talks about uh, Operation Eagle Claw, you know, or we're going into Iran and there was this guy, you know, when the birds landed, he was asleep and, you know, the bird caught fire, you know, crashed, you know, the fuel and all that. Well, he just woke up and the ramp was down. He just took off running and dove right out the back. (laughs) No parachute, no nothing. And he hit the ground because it was already on the ground. He didn't know. He's asleep. And he hops up and be like, what the hell were you thinking, man? You know, you didn't have a parachute on. If we'd have been in the air, you'd have died. And he just looks at him and goes, one problem at a time, brother. You know? (laughs) (laughs) Don't worry about that. Just, you know, and that's a little extreme example. But, you know, that's kind of... That's kind of what we're trying to teach for these guys. That's good stuff. You know, actually, uh, I can tell you a story. I uh, It's not about the military side of it, but I suck at golf. And so I thought I'd go out and get me a golf instructor to help me out. And we're talking about the range and getting an instructor and such. But in my case, I thought maybe I could make some improvements. When you were describing getting into your head, that's exactly what happens. And in a game like that, you can't get inside your head. Everything's supposed to flow very naturally. It's supposed to be muscle motion and everything else. But when I started noticing is that even after the instructor, I reverted back to my old habits because it was the thing that was most comfortable to me. It was the thing that even though I took some of the pointers and occasionally I would use them and stuff, I found found them to be uh, very unusual. They, they weren't comfortable, you know, with what I was doing. It's because you had developed all those bad habits. I did. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I just want to tack on to what Drew was talking about with the visualization. That's something I use in the coaching. You know, when somebody is, is saying, you know, they're having a problem with uh, giving a speech or they're concerned about giving a presentation or something like that, actually have them visualize what the results of that would be and, and backwards plan it, just like we would in the military in an operation, right? So 
now you're, you're visualize the end of your presentation. What's the results? Talk about the results. What do you want? And then walk back through that presentation and walk it all the way back to this point in time so that you have a plan to get to what you've seen, what it looks like. And when you develop that mental picture in your head, it just gives you it, it gives you something to look for. And, and you can start to move towards it. Do you think milestones for people? Because sometimes it's not like for me, it's not just at the range and that target or learning a new skill. They may be planning like, a, you know, they're entrepreneur and they're planning you know, their business strategy and they want to get from I make no money to I can feed my family to I can buy, you know, that you know, Gucci barrel that looks like, you know, Columbia drug lord or whatever, you know, to get to that point in life. Do you yeah. think people incorporating, you know, having a concept, incorporating milestones along the way, you coach them through that? Oh yeah. Yeah. That, that's, that's usually important to have some sort of goals, milestones, objectives, you know, whatever you want, however you want to define them it kind of goes back to the whole title thing. You know, I use the term, I have a vision and I have goals that support the vision, and then I have objectives that support the goals, right? That's kind of how I break it up with with my clients. And, you know, a, a goal is you have a SMART goal, right? So it has to be specific, measurable, uh, actionable, uh, reasonable, and timely, I think, are the five. I always mess those up somehow. But uh, one of the techniques I've, I've learned to put on top of that is AIM and uh, – Drew, you appreciate this. So AIM as another acronym on top of it. So you have AIM SMART goals. And AIM, instead of having that, that one or zero goal, either I make it or I fail, when you use AIM, you set yourself up for an acceptable level, an ideal level, and a minimum level. So you, you set three targets in that goal. I love that that acronym. I'm actually going to use that if you don't mind and oh, pretend it was do. my own. Uh, I'm not going to quote you on it, but uh, <laughs> no, I, intellectual I property audition. Because yeah. <laughs> people, I've heard a lot of people say, and um, so Scott, I don't know what you think. They say set unrealistic goals. You know, like there's a lot of other people out there that are business this or whatever, and that may have worked for them. You know, and they say set unrealistic goals because if you want to be a millionaire, at least you'll be a hundred thousand. You want to be a a billionaire, they should be a millionaire. I'm stretch like, goals. Okay, yeah. but that's, that's a think, bit of a stretch, though. Yeah. Yeah, and I, but I think everybody's different. You know, yeah. like everybody's brain works differently. We all have what, you know. Some people are more logical. Some people are emotional. Some people want to, you know, do this or that. They they respond to the challenge better than others. You know, and there was a book, uh, Top Dog, where I read uh, by Poe Bronson, that, and it, it was kind of interesting. You know, so I think for people to use something like that, like acceptable ideal minimum, you can kind of uh, affect more people. Some people will achieve that ideal, you know, or some people are that person, like the Swedish hockey player there. I think it was Sweden or whatever. They, they, they got silver at something and he took the silver medal and he tossed it in the stands. It was like, I was here for gold, you know, and it's like, <laughs> well, okay, that's a certain personality type. And I respect the hell out of that. But like some people don't respond as well to things like that. They don't have that outlook. They can't maintain it or sustain it for a period of time. I think the key to it is finding out what works for you as an individual, you know, and we've mentioned there are two types of goal setting um, techniques. So one is stretch targets and aim for something above and, and it may be marginally above or uh, ex exceptionally above what you want to achieve. But there's also then the smart part of it where it's achievable and it, the goal needs to be specific, measurable and achievable. So that you're able to do that. Um, the key for me around goal setting is breaking it down. 
So you, you've got your, your ultimate, like Otis said, your ultimate vision, um, and then your, your goals, and then your objectives, that all feed into each other. But underneath objective, then, you should be breaking those down into tasks. And each time you do a task, you recognize that, that you've achieved uh, the outcome there. Because all those small wins, if you like, is what keeps you motivated and keeps you driving towards that ultimate um, vision. So when it comes to goal setting, you've got to do what's right for you. And if you're the type of person, and if you look at these, um, I don't know if you have them, these particular brands in the US, but you've probably got similar um, ones, uh, weight loss type things. Yeah. And they're almost like pyramid schemes, isn't it? So <laughs> one of the ways that they drive people to get involved is, you know, the, the one of them will be driving around in the flash car and, oh, this is me on holidays in the Bahamas and this yeah. is me in the south of France and this is me skiing and I've had six holidays this year and bought three cars and four houses and blah, blah, blah. You know, and they get them to set themselves goals by print out what you want within five years. And, you know, they don't say, oh, well, I'd like a nice holiday. No, no, don't, don't think that low. You want the super yacht or you want a Range yeah. Rover or a Ferrari yeah. or something, you know, and they stick it on the fridge door. And it sits there, and that's the motivating factor then to achieve that. And that's a stretch goal, isn't it? Because if you set yourself, I want this yacht, in reality, you might get to get in a canoe by, uh, by the <laughs> paddle boat. <laughs> yeah. So, but, you know, and that's one way of motivating people. But then other people would be completely demoralized by that. If they see this, this super yacht sitting on the fridge and they've realized, well, if, when I look at my bank account, well, I've got you know, 0.005% of what that super yacht uh, <laughs> is going to cost me, I'm never going to get there. And that's a demotivating factor then, you know, and the, the, there's lots of different ways around motivating people. And you can look at Hertzberg and uh, what Hertzberg classes as cleansing factors. And, you know, and financially, it's, it's not a motivating factor because you'll get to a level where money won't motivate you anymore. You're happy with how much you have. Yeah. But things like responsibility <clears throat> often motivates people a lot better than financial gain. It's individual to each person, isn't it? And that's part of being a great leader is picking out what motivates each person within your team and using that, not against them, but using that to motivate that person then. And one person, it might be giving them more responsibility. One person might be a data type person and giving them those tasks where they've got to trawl through data and, and pick out the right information. And it's using those tasks to get the people. And it ties back to the range as well, I guess, Drew, doesn't it? You know, it's picking Absolutely. out what people are good at and, and using those skills then for, for those individuals. And that's ultimately within a military structure, how we have fire teams made up of, you know, infantry gunners, heavy machine gunners uh, and grenadiers and things. Because it's what people are good at and what motivates them. And you can pick that team out and get everybody really performing at a top high rate level because they're doing something that motivates them. And I think like on the range as an instructor, you have to put yourself aside and what worked for you. Like, you know, that, you know, these are strengths. It got you to success, but there has to be a key understanding that you're not there for you. You're there for others. Right. So you have to have that, you know, insight or whatever, you know, $20 word it is. I don't know. I'm not as educated as some of you dudes. I Google things, but uh, so you have to have that word, whatever it is, um, or insight, you know, empathy, whatever. Put yourself in their shoes and understand what they're actually going through and set yourself aside. I think going through a lot of this, 
you have to, and what we're talking about, to make this applicable to each person's life, you've got to know yourself in a way. So you have to know what works for you. You have to be able to sift through all this information because when people are putting out, they're putting out usually some of the bigger personalities out there that we're more drawn to what's worked for them. And I think you said the key word was individual. Everybody is an individual. You have an individual perspective, individual needs, and you're going to require individual solutions. So you're going to have to accept that, know yourself, and know what works for you the best. One of the best things I heard um, not too long ago, I don't know who said it, but anyway, they were talking about, hey, play to your strengths. Some people work better in the morning. Some people work better in the afternoon when their brain gets tuned up. Switch your day around if you are able to, to the fact where I do most of my creative stuff, writing, anything where I have to, you know, put, you know, words on paper or in a computer. I do that in the morning after I have my morning shake, do a little jujitsu, try and go to that, come back. And then I knock that out in the morning because now my brain is spinning. You know, I can do that. That's when all the best ideas happen. Or in my car, I use the dictate thing on the iPhone, the notes, and I'll just talk. God knows what it's going to put out there. It's put some weird <laughs> stuff, but they don't, at least it's there and I can I caption it, you know, yeah. or I capture it, excuse me. But I think knowing yourself can possibly want to be one of the hardest parts for people that are looking to stay target focused because that's going to be the key to actually accomplishing it to sift through all that. I jump back to the fact that uh, it, when you're instructing, you de- you are developing that skill set uh, and and as an instructor, where you're talking about these shooting classes that you're doing, when these people walk up, you're immediately assessing it. And the word you were looking for, I believe, is intuition. So your intuition is kicking in. Thank God for and, an officer. Appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, no problem. That's why I'm here. But you're using that intuition that you've developed all over all these years of all the training sessions that you've gone through in the Army and now with your business. And you recognize and assess those people. And you can quickly attuned to what techniques and processes I have to use to get that individual to the highest position that they can get to. So, I mean, I think what we're talking about too is uh, understand kind of what you're bringing to the fight. What What is it that you're going to offer your team? And I love what you were talking about as far as focusing on your strengths, because I brought it to the podcast on separate uh, several episodes about a story that I remember and recall from a business meeting, actually, uh, where the instructor or the person was talking described Tiger Woods and about how he was trying to improve upon his uh, golf game. And this had nothing to do with golf. It was a business discussion. <clears throat> but what he what he talked about is that Tiger focused so much on his weaknesses and started thinking about him so much it got inside his head. And so it started mm-hmm. messing up his game. And as soon as he started getting back and focused on his strengths, then his game improved once again. Now he, he's kind of, you know, things have gone haywire again. He probably needs that kind of instruction uh, to yeah. get back on track. But the, the idea here is that know what you're bringing to the table, know what your strengths are, and find ways, like you said, I, I love what you were talking about in, in a determining what works best for you at what time of day. There may be creative times where it's in the morning with your cup of coffee by yourself. Use that to your advantage. It could be in the evening um, when you have some quiet time or something, or it could be your creative period is between 10 o'clock and 4 o'clock. Well, try to schedule your meetings and do everything within that window because you're probably going to start hitting your peak and then you're going to plateau before you start heading down. And so you don't want to have meetings at 5, 6 o'clock in the evenings and you may not want to have meetings at 8 o'clock in the morning because you're not going to be on your A game. I want to just touch back on something you said there, Robert, uh, briefly, which I think is both interesting and important about strengths and weaknesses. 
And, you know, a, a lot of the time people will look at what am I really bad at and how do I improve that? Thinking that that's going to give them the maximum increase in whatever it is, efficiency, productivity, uh, range, uh, shooting score, whatever it is. But often if you're good at something, it's a lot easier to improve what you're good at and focus on that and practice that skill and get better at doing what you're good at because you're already good at it. You know, it's easier to push forward with that sometimes. So it, it's recognizing, laying out initially what is both a, uh, both your strengths and your weaknesses and then putting a, a, an action plan together. Well, I'm going to look at improving this or I'm going to look at improving that on which end of the scale it's it's on, you know. And I think people often overlook how they can improve on their strengths in favor of weaknesses. But looking at your weaknesses can be demoralizing again, you know, and you're always looking at the negative side of it. I'm really bad at this. We need to work on this. But if you're looking at your, your strengths, it's a positive look then. Well, I'm really good at this and I'm going to get even better. And if, if you look at people like Olympians uh, and, you know, a couple of you guys, special forces people, they look at their strengths and they play to their strengths as opposed to looking at their weaknesses and trying to improve the weaknesses, you know, and you don't need to be good at everything. You can be good at something in particular and just focus on that and drive and drive and drive. And, you know, Otis, I was listening to the podcast you did this week and you're talking about rugby. And, you know, if you can pick somebody who's good at something and focus on that and develop that for mm. them to get better, you wouldn't necessarily say to somebody who's absolutely terrible, for example, at drop kicks or taking a, a penalty kick, you know, and say, right, well, you're the worst person you're at kicking. Let's try and get you to be the, the person who's going to take the penalties. You'd never <laughs> dream of doing that. You take the person who's the best at kicking and then you try and improve on, on their kicking ability. And, you know, you, you start out in the, the, the center of the pitch straight over the post and you just work your way out towards uh, the touchline and it, they, they get that accuracy. And, but you're improving on their strengths. And like I said, you'd never take the worst person to kick in and say, well, we're going to put you in the center of the pitch now and start kicking. And we're going to stay here till you eventually start getting them through over the posts. And in, in business or in shooting, I think it's, it's an all, um, all too often overlooked principle is improve on what you're good at as opposed to improving on what you're not so good at, you're bad at. I agree. You, you build on those strengths. You continue to build and build on those strengths. But I also say that doesn't mean ignore your weaknesses. No, absolutely. You, you, yeah, and I know that's not what you meant. You, you, you don't just put them off to the side and never focus on that. And work on, we call it woe-woes. Work on your woe-woes. You know, those things that, that are hard for you to do, those fundamental things that you can't do, whether it's pass with the right hand versus the left hand or or kicking or a drop kick, whatever that that item is that you're weak at, that is your weakness, spend your personal time doing that and then build off of your strengths. Your strengths are your foundation to go forward, but you just don't leave all those weaknesses behind either. Mm -hmm. Kind of going to put you on the spot because I'm interested. I'm sure the people listening are too. What are some of your strengths, you know, for you guys that what you're doing now, like in that, you know, arena that you're doing or this job, what are the strengths that you guys have noticed that you've had, whether it's individual or whatever? And what are those weaknesses that you've had to work on? Good question. When I'm coaching somebody, it is one of my strengths is the ability to hear what they're saying and 
help them formulate some ideas and to help them solve their own problems. Now, uh, one of my weaknesses in that same area is, and, and like I almost said, is, is me wanting to say, well, do it this way. Because, you know, that's, that's what in that, when you get in that mode, that, that consultant mode, vice in uh, a coaching mode, where in a coaching mode, I'm, I'm helping you solve your own problems because you have the answers. Whereas in a consultant mode, you say, I have a problem. And I say, okay, well, here's the answer. You know, I still catch myself heading in that path uh, when I'm coaching somebody. And when somebody gives you the solution, here, here's how I do it, uh, whether it's, you know, in a consulting or, or mentoring solution, that doesn't resonate with that individual. Here, Robert, swing the golf club this way because this is the best way to do it. That didn't resonate with you, did it? So it didn't stick. It didn't work. But if that if that golf pro you were working with had worked with you to develop your swing that fit in within the parameters to get the ball off the tee and down somewhere on the fairway, then you'd very likely adopt that. And that's the same thing I try to do as as a as a business coach. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think I'd still suck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Go back to focusing on your strengths, not exactly. your weaknesses. Right? <laughs> maybe, maybe don't play golf. Maybe that's what it is. 19 pole strengths. There you go. <laughs> what about you, Scott? It's a, diff- it's a typical interview question. I think this isn't it. You know, give us your strength and give us your weaknesses. The answer is the Welsh don't have weaknesses. So. <laughs> uh, <laughs> this, this is true. Um, for, for me, I mean, strength-wise, I'm, I'm a team guy and I'm, I'm good at building teams and finding out through people what motivates them and what drives them or, or opposite of that, you know, what completely turns them off and then building a team around those, again, strengths and weaknesses within each member of the team. Now, as a weakness for myself and it's something I'm very aware of in, in business on a daily basis is what's a priority for me isn't always a priority for others and understanding that myself that whilst it's very important to me and I'm pushing and chasing it you know and particularly if you go into a procurement department or um, an engineering department that's outside of uh, my circle uh, within a manufacturing uh, ring for example they may not have the same priority list as I've got and whilst it's at the top of my priority list it might not be at the top of somebody else's. And that's something I regularly struggle with is, and frustrates me on a, on a daily basis, you know, and it's, it's understanding and you've got to step back and take that step back and say, well, okay, you know, it's important to me, granted, but they may have other things and more important things that they've got to deal with first before they get to my issue. And then when it doesn't work, you've got to go and bang on doors and so. <laughs> kick, the, kick the door in go back to your old mode yeah. uh you know for me it's um identifying the problem looking for a root cause analysis trying to implement a solution and then remove the emotion out of the the whole equation so i'm, I'm a six sigma guy I go back into as we refer to it as demaic and demaic is define measure analyze improve and control so you go into a situation really trying to define what's what's my problem 
what do I need to do to measure it appropriately? So what's the baseline today? Where is it that we're wanting to get to to make the better improvement? And it's got to be something that's reasonable or realistic as far as a goal. Um, what are the information that we need to gather in order to analyze this situation to get to the real root cause of what's going on? And what do I then need to do from all of that to place some kind of improvement in there and make sure that the controls are in place that we don't see that action happen again. And for me, I think it's very similar to uh, what Scott was just talking about in that thinking that everybody is wired that same way. And every time they go into a situation, are they thinking in a way that they want to bring a solution to it or are they always wanting to identify the problem and live in the problem world? I appreciate the people that always think about trying to, to bring a problem as well as a solution. And, it, and it's very frustrating when you get to people who only want to live in the firefighting community because they get paid very well or they get appreciated by leadership if they live in the firefighting community. And I like to look at leading indicators rather than lagging indicators. I'd have to agree with you. I think I'm kind of similar to you, Robert. My strength is being able to take myself out of that position, see the gaps that need to be filled or, or what someone, whether it's a shooter, what they're deficient in, where that one thing is that they're not seeing and put what I think aside to identify, you know, and identify with them and find that solution, whatever it's going to be to get them to success or diagnose them. In the business world, which I'm just now getting into with our company, uh, we kind of do the same thing. Like, what do people need? What does the industry need that we can provide? And seeing those needs and then filling that gap, I think is something that that we've done well uh, with my other company and then also with Bear Solutions and some stuff we have coming up. A weakness for me, and, and maybe you guys are similar, I think a lot of us military guys are, is sometimes we'll get I get too task-oriented mm. and I get too steadfast on something yeah. to where if someone does bring in something that could be a better opportunity or another way to go about it or hey maybe that's not working out but think about this what if we did that i'll, I'll make an automatic assumption because of the track i'm on nope not going to work because of this and i'll justify it write it off and keep moving so luckily i have a business partner that uh doesn't think that way so we play to our we both play to our strengths uh but yeah i think just kind of to bring it all full circle for everybody and kind of tie that and, and round this uh conversation off close it off for the uh listeners if you guys could give one one thing, one piece of advice that for people who are trying to stay focused and you know that target focused and get to their goal, that can kind of apply to military or business or an instructor or an employee for a bigger company, what would you tell them that one thing, work on this? What would you guys give somebody that advice, the one thing? I'll go first and say that what I always try to give advice to people about is know who you are. So if I were talking to you, Drew, it'd be understand first who you are, really grounded, rooted into yourself. And so we were talking earlier about that introspective look, um, that self-reflection that's difficult for a lot of people. Uh, I would challenge you to really look at that to find out, too, what your passion and purpose is that comes out of that. And so that's kind of the lesson and the reason why I take you down that path. Because if you don't know who you really are and you try to be somebody else, you're not going to be as successful. I'm laughing because. We, we should work together, Robert, because I was thinking exactly the same thing. I know. I, I saw your face and I was like, dang it, he took Scott that's and why I, answer. That's why I jumped on it because Scott Scott was saying the exact same thing that I was going to present and I had to scribble my notes out. And I'm like, damn it. So, Two of us just scratched it off our notebook. There, there, there goes mine. I mean, it, it, 
Here, uh, because Robert said it now, I'll I'll pitch in because Otis is probably thinking thinking the same thing as me. We all go through the same process in our heads. Yeah. So once once you know yourself, establish what your strengths and your weaknesses are, and what we touched on earlier, you know, and and really play to those strengths, and then work on those weaknesses at, at the same time, and you'll you'll become a more rounded person in whatever the skill is that you you're trying to accomplish, I guess. And, and I'll take that one step further and I'll, I'll say self-awareness. So understanding how you are, how you resonate and having that mindfulness to know what you, how are you presenting yourself? Like I've talked about before, the energy levels, whether I'm, I'm a positive influence to the situation or I'm a negative influence to the situation and which one works best for the situation that I'm in. I guess I'll do mine a little bit different instead of just tacking on top of that one. Because uh, you guys, uh, three in a row, all took my time. So at least we're all of like minds. But uh, it actually goes back to something uh, Robert had mentioned was, uh, you know, identifying the problem or the people who are always focused on the problem versus the solution. And my old team sergeant, Doug, he this was a kind of a big moment in my career. You know, I really had to grow up at that moment, I think, as a young Green Beret. Um, and I love what he said. And I've always kind of kept it close to heart was if you if you present a problem without a solution, you're bitching. And we all know what kind of people bitch, right? So for me that if you can look at things that way, if there is an issue, instead of getting so focused on that and get, going down that rabbit hole of negativity and, and you know losing that motivation or whatever it may be, identify the solution as fast as possible. Come up with that solution. And now you have a clear plan forward to get past that because we're all going to face you know, hurdles in the way to to whatever our level of success is that we're trying to get to. To get to those milestones, you have to have those solutions to problems because they're inevitable. They're always going to pop up. You know, no matter how well you plan something, no matter what you do, they'll always present itself. So if there is a problem, identify a solution and then action it and go forward. That way you're not getting sucked into that negativity. It can kind of apply to more things than just that and in, in life in general. Oh, do, we like, do we say do we say bye or something? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening to our podcast. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and at Facebook by searching at Mentors, the number four M-I-L, and please subscribe to our podcast. It's free, and it ensures you're the first to hear our latest podcast show. We have several options depending upon your device, and we're at iTunes, SoundCloud, at Stitcher, and at TuneIn Radio. Hey everyone, Robert here. I love supporting veteran-owned companies, and Mentors for Military recently partnered with Skeleton Optics to offer a 10% discount to our listeners. That's right, 10%. These aren't your regular run-of-the-mill sunglasses, by the way. The frames are handcrafted in Italy with Zeiss Vision lenses. Use the code mentors for mil or mentors the number four mil at skeletonoptics.com, and you'll receive your 10% discount automatically at checkout. Hurry up and get on over there to support a veteran-owned company.